Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. (laughs) Stopping Coming to you live from the Ray Horseman studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Boundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, there is only one thing certain for every human being, and that's death. So why is it so hard to talk about? Joining us tonight is the founder of the death-positive movement, mortician, activist, and funeral industry rabble-rouser, Caitlin Doty. She'll talk about the American way of death. Let's not die harder. Let's die better. Plus, do Advantage rubber bands really hold your world together? We'll test that product claim, and we open up the listener mailbag. We hope you're dying to stay tuned. I'm Adam Felber, who tries to guide our conversations through the full stages of topical life and then lets them die with dignity. And now, please welcome the woman who resurrects every topical skeleton and flings their conversational ashes to the winds, Paula Poundstone! Yay! Welcome, Paula, and thank you to tonight's very on-topic house band, tuba player, William Nakamura, our returning champion this week. Welcome back, William. Paula, welcome. Thank you so much, Adam. I hope you're enjoying your winter so far. I am. There was a nip in the air tonight. There was. You know, Adam, remember I told you I get my medication from that Espresso Scripts thing where Express they just scripts, keep yes. sending it. Yes, well, as, I, as far as I remember, I you had have, two different medications that were just piling up in your I think, house. Th- yeah, I can barely close a cabinet in my bathroom. There's so much. Of- Is that because there's so much or because your bones are weakened because you're not taking your medicine? Well, no, but actually, now that you mention that, I figured out why one of them 
keeps piling up. What? It's because it's the bone medication. Yes. Uh, I forget what it's called. You're taking a bone uh, medication. Skelligro. I think it's Skelligro. Skelligro is a Harry Potter thing. I believe that's what it is. It is not. Okay. There's these very specific instructions about how you take it. You have to take it when you wake up in the morning. Okay. You can't have any anything to eat or drink. You can take it with water, but you have to um, not eat or drink anything for 30 minutes, and you can't go back to bed. You have to be like, you know, upright. Upright. So here's what happens to me. First of all, and you take it once a week. Okay. Once a, once so a once week. a week, you've got to wake up, take your medicine, and not eat for 30 minutes. Right, and not eat or drink for 30 minutes. So okay. here's what happens to me. First of all, I, I forget to take it at all. Because you're not taking your memory medicine. So here's what I do. Yes. So I take a piece of paper, I tape the medicine to it, and I write no Diet Pepsi on the paper. Right, and then I sleep with that on the floor beside me. You sleep with a note saying "No Diet Pepsi" with a pill tape to it. Yes, so that when I wake up in the morning, I'll see the pill and I'll remember. Oh, don't drink any Diet Pepsi. Take the pill. Does this work? Well, it works a lot of times. Here's the number one problem that I have, which is that I am so busy at nighttime, just trying to just trying to close everything down for the night. You know what I mean? Shut down Poundstone Industries. Yeah, exactly. You got to you go got to go into that little sweatshop and tell Wendell to stop Stop sewing the pussy pillows so you can go to sleep. Exactly. Stop shoving the catnip into the little Poundstone pussy pillows. Uh, And so here's what often happens is. When I take the pill out of the little bubble pack thing that it comes in. Blister, blister pack, pack yeah, thing, yeah, or something, yeah. Um, and I'm carrying it around in my hand looking for a piece of paper and the tape. Okay, I'm ready. I see a solution to this problem, but go ahead. Okay. What usually happens is by the time I get the piece of paper and the tape, the pill isn't in my hand anymore. And then I remember <laughs> I took it. What? Yeah. Cause I, I didn't see the story going this way. Yeah. Yeah. Then so I say, you just you randomly take pills that happen to be in your hand? Yeah. I just well, cause that's well, usually what you do. You must when have, you have been a, a kick in, in the eighties. So I just I take it and then I'm like, well, fuck, now I can't take it in the morning because you only take one a week. So do you stay up for another half hour? No, because you're supposed to take it in the morning. But it still doesn't mean that you have to ignore all the other warnings. It means you stay up for a half an hour and don't drink Diet Pepsi. No, you take it in the morning after you have. So you're saying if you, if you happen Pepsi. to take it accidentally in the evening, right. All the other warnings are. are well, are... I assume so because it's not. Don't... <laughs> no, you shouldn't assume so. It's no, obvious because, you shouldn't assume no, so. No, because you the reason you take it in the morning is that you haven't had anything to eat or drink all night. Right. Right. But still, you might as well Although follow I the do. other. I drink Diet Pepsi in the middle of the night. Okay. Um, but. You know, I, I Here, here's here's a solution. Yeah, you have Just a solution. A, yeah, it's Where, easy. You are the answer man. It's not really that complicated. Don't open the little pill blister pack until you have the pen and paper and tape. Oh. Then you then then you won't be carrying a pill around. Oh. Adam. Yeah. Answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> there's no. There's, there's no phone. Oh. Adam, answer the phone. Okay, I, I'd really rather not. Yeah. We're just getting started here, Paul. Yeah, yeah, it's your phone call. Okay. Hello. Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonovich. Mike Bonovich. Yeah. Or Vich. Bonovich. My mistake. Yeah, you seem to get it wrong almost every week, Mike. I've been on the lamb for a while now, Adam. On the lamb? I've been on the lamb. You know, I changed my name a little bit here and there, so, you know, creditors. You know what I mean, man. You know what I mean. I don't, Mike. Adam, boy. Stupid as shit. Oh, take it you easy, just, Mike. Just take, wow, right out of the gate. You get the paper and the tape first.
first, and then you'd take the, the tape the pill. Jesus. Mike, you can't even say it, let alone do you it. You just tape the pill to the paper after you get the paper. Mike, why are you calling? Tape. I, you know, I just called to say, man, you are so smart. You are... I don't know how you work with her, man, because you Wait, are so No, smart. She, she's easy you know, to work with. Hey, Adam, man, I was going to go do donuts after the show. Oh, great. Have you fun, Mike. do donuts? No, I don't want to go do donuts with uh, you, Mike. All right, you resting up for when we watch the game together tomorrow? We're not going to watch the game together tomorrow. Tomorrow's not really a game day, so uh, no. Yeah, yeah, every day's a game day, Adam, because I got, uh, you know, you know my big dish... TV with the sports every day. I assumed. Yeah. I didn't know, but I assumed that yeah, that was part yeah, of your big life, dish Mike. TV with big dish. I bet you have day, one of those old-fashioned, really day. big satellite dishes, right? Uh, I do. I have one of those. No, you, you watch the Gambling Network. I don't watch the Gambling well, Network. Well, you got it tomorrow, man. That's gonna be great. No, Mike, I'm not coming over because, in point of fact, we've never met. Adam, I gotta go. I gotta okay. go. Bye, Mike. It was good talking to you, man. No, I don't know how you not... work with that it... bitch. Now, Mike, that's just out of line. All right, I'm gonna hang up. If there was an actual phone here, I would definitely hang up. See you later. It's good talking to you, man. Uh, No, it wasn't. Okay, well, that was interesting. Uh, Mike Boom Boom Bonifit. Bonifit. Oh, my gosh. He loves you. He just loves you. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Well, well, hopefully I've helped you with the... the, um, Yeah, thanks for... The the pill thing. Yeah. So is anything new happening with them, or is it just the the bone stuff? No, they just pile up. Like, I'm telling you, like... I feel like if you took it regularly, it wouldn't pile up. Hogwarts entrance letters. They just pile up. Okay. Express scripts every day. Every day, a knock at the door. Express scripts. Express scripts. Okay, I get get the concept, but I'm wondering whether maybe you're just not taking your medicine regularly. Well, yeah, but how do you slow it down? How about taking the medicine on time? <laughs> so that your bones stop snapping. Just an idea from me to you. Speaking of hotel soap, we uh, we like to test claims made by products to see if they're true. That's what we do on this show. Yeah, because a lot of times products will say stuff, uh, you know, kind of kind of big big ideas yeah. of what they can do for you. You know. Well, uh, well, it turns out our, our nobodies are starting to get involved in in this. Which we because really they, they, appreciate. And uh, nobody, uh, Rochelle McRae alerted us to a claim made by Advantage Rubber Bands. On a bag of rubber bands, it says, holding your world together. Oh, man. Really? So if I great. put one of these rubber bands on my wrist, uh, will my world then fall apart if I take it off? Or I mean, what's going on with these, Paula? All right, so we got a bag of these Advantage Rubber Bands. We did. I, didn't, I didn't even know they still, I didn't know companies still even made rubber bands. I thought they were just stuff you couldn't get rid of. And I didn't know that any brand of rubber bands was worth having a slogan. Because I, yeah, I don't know that anybody it's goes pretty to pretty clear a, what they do. Yeah, I don't know if anybody goes to the store and goes like, well, do I buy Rubber Co. rubber bands or Advantage rubber bands? Well, Tony Anita Hull picked these up for us. She said she got them at the Walmart. So, uh, But she said that Staples only had Staples brand. Staples isn't even w- willing to have the competition of these Right, these, they're scared uh, of what... Advantage, now, is that what they are? I advantage? noticed two things about this, this bag that I want to show you. Um, yes. Which is, uh, Bonnie, can you just settle down over there? Oh, my God. Captain Crinkle walks in in the middle of our intro. Yeah, she did. And now she's she's redecorating. No, yeah. I'm trying to find a rubber band. Here, Bonnie. She's trying to find a rubber band. Uh, yeah, she was trying to. Because you know what? Because you got a call from her daughter just a few minutes ago. Right. And her world is falling apart. So she needs the rubber she's, band. Yeah, and you know what she's, she's decided rubber to rubber band? band? I want to point this out. A bag of potato chips. It... it you know, I the wish she was thing kidding. In the room. She actually grabbed a bag of potato chips to put the rubber band around. 
There you go. Bonnie, you're not even involved in this segment, except now you are. <laughs> and now I'm inviting you to stop being involved. All right, here. Wait, now, I, I can't believe there's a company making rubber bands. When I go to, like, a place where, like, a grocery store where you can get the food prepared already, uh-huh. um, a lot of times on the to-go box, they'll put a rubber band around it, and I have to say to them, please don't give me any more rubber bands. Because Why? I have a whole drawer full of them at home. Okay. But you, but you're gonna you want that I'm on saying? your food, though. I can't get no. I don't want the rubber band on my food. No, I just hold the box closed, and then and then they, and you're then walking around fine. looking for a piece of paper, and you accidentally eat the food. No, I just carry the box home. <laughs> okay. Jeez, it's like you've been filming me. All right, uh, you know what I noticed about this bag? Does it say a women-owned? It's uh, besides saying holding your world together, and it's um, it's 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 website, which is rubberband.com, which I'm sure burned staples. Balls. <laughs> They've got rubberband.com. Oh, yeah. It also says woman, women owned. Huh. Not woman owned. I guess there's more than one w- woman. Women, who, two women have could made. Could be many. Do you know um, that uh, Thomas Alva Edison. Uh, was a woman? No. At the end of his life, really the only project he would work on anymore was trying to domestically produce rubber. It's just something I happen to know. Really? <laughs> Did he succeed? Uh, I don't know. I haven't finished the book yet. Wow. Well, I don't think so because these are women-owned. Yeah, well, Uh, that doesn't mean that Thomas Alva Edison's granddaughters aren't, uh, great-granddaughters aren't the the, the women. So what are we going to do with these, Paula? Uh, I know we're not going to do what Captain Crinkle just did, which is make noise for no reason. It's... You know, it never even occurred to me that you could make noise with a rubber band, but boy, she found a way. She found a way. You know, she has a kid. Can you even imagine being a baby in her house? You know I'd imagine are, you become easily distractible. Yeah. No, you know how people are like, shh, don't wake the baby. Yeah, right. right. She didn't have to get the baby a rattle. I, she is a rattle. I have <laughs> I have a feeling that that baby, now now, now a woman, yeah. can only s- sleep when it's noisy. Yeah. Like, like, like if you shut up for a minute, she just wakes up crying. Yeah. She's not going to be able to honeymoon near Niagara Falls because <laughs> the sound of the falls will just put her to but, sleep. Right to right sleep. Now. Yeah, exactly. The opposite of what it does yeah. for everybody else. Uh, yeah. She, imagine yeah. growing up in Bonnie's house. Yeah. She, um, what did we have this I imagine machine. that she's got bubble wrap instead of carpeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's my particular yeah. bubble wrap. And then, you know, for the kitchen to, to change things up, corn chips. Yeah. And then she vacuums the bubble wrap. So you get the, <laughs> the sucking and the popping. Um, when Thomas, when my son Thomas was little, we had a thing, a rock polisher. It tumbled. It, the, the, the rocks, it was supposed to uh, it was supposed to sort of simulate what happens with, you know, the ocean. With erosion, yeah. And, and, I mean, and, with, uh, um, uh, you know, the, whatever the, that is. The, the, the ocean that makes the rocks shiny ocean, sure. sometimes. So um, it just tumbled, and it just went, like that, which is a lullaby to Bonnie's kid. Absolutely. I'd imagine that's what it sounds like inside Bonnie's head at all times. <laughs> that's why she doesn't know she's crinkling. She's just got she's just got rocks being slowly softened in there. <laughs> Sometimes when she makes that noise, sea glass I think is to being myself, manufactured. I, I think to myself, my world is falling apart. But now I have put these rubber bands. Is that around what we're doing? I, I, I wanted to get to that. Yeah, we're put, putting it I'm, on our wrists. I'm putting them around my wrists to see if it holds my world together. I will say that you know what? It's, when it I seems like it's going to hold my blood away from my hand. <laughs> Well, that could be, uh, yeah. Um, you know, when I do dishes, uh, I like to um, put a rubber band around my sleeves so that the sleeves don't dangle in the water. 
Well, that's that's great to know. Yeah. Does it work? It holds my world together. <laughs> oh, it does. So you're, so my, you're saying my this world might... of dishes, but that, but I'm not using the advantage rubber bands in the past. I have to say, yeah. this is an elasticy rubber band. It's uh, yeah, it seems like it's a quality piece of work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you know you pull a rubber band, you think, boy, that that's gonna that's gonna snap any second. Yeah, now. but that, that, I, I think that's because of the rubber band's together. age or oh, being left out in the sun, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna do this experiment for that long. No, we're not. What we're gonna do, you know, and does it make a good rubber band gun? You know, you always want to know that. And it does. Wow. I don't know how to do that. You don't know how to make a rubber band gun? No. And I saw, um, uh, what's that movie that we watched together with St- Stallone? Rubber band gun. No. The one <laughs> the one where he's the guy from Vietnam. Rambo. Yeah. Rambo. Yeah, First I Blood saw Part that, Two. And I still don't know how to make a rubber band gun. Well, there were not that many rubber band guns in that movie. Precisely zero. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were. There were. You just okay. didn't see them. Well, you know, Paula, every week you have a vocabulary word to share uh, you know, with us. And in that way, this week is no different than any other, Adam. Yeah. And um, uh, they're a very useful educational tool. Teacher Rochelle Wilson sent us a terrific photo of her nobody wall of words. Oh, my gosh. She set I up for her high school when students. I saw that. Yeah, we're going to put that on our Facebook page. Um, we don't want to let her, uh, Rochelle and her students down. Uh, do you by any chance have a new vocabulary word for us? I do, Adam. I have oh, a word great. for this episode. It's... Uh, soporific. I know that one. It's an adjective yeah. that means causing or tending to cause sleep. Here, right. I'll use like it for in you, a it would be like a Diet Pepsi. Uh, causing or tending to. No, they don't make me. Uh, no, they're not soporific. Okay. You know, in an effort to educate myself, I read a lot of nonfiction material. Unfortunately, it can be quite soporific. Yeah, like that, like that, that astounding chronicle of Thomas Edison's rubber years. Is that the name of the book, Thomas Edison, The Rubber Years? Um, no, that's just What the chapter. hell is happening right here, Paula? Uh, you know, Adam. Um, <clears throat> okay. I have... Uh, uh, I want to tell our listeners that Paula Poundstone has withdrawn from her bag a ukulele. Yeah, you know, Adam, I've presented a lot of vocabulary words on our podcast, but in truth, I can hardly remember any True. unless you count Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. But how often does that come up uh, in uh, conversation? Pentateuch? Yeah. Uh, only when I'm talking about the episode on which we discuss Pentateuch. Well, precisely. So I'm hoping that by creating a little vocabulary song, these words will eventually migrate to the tip of my tongue. Great, although the song you have created thus far has sounded different every week. Here's the best I can do. This week's word is soporific. It's an adjective that means causing or tending to cause sleep. Last week's word was sesquipedalian. Wait. Last week's word was sesquipedalian. It's an adjective meaning measuring a foot and a half. It can also mean having many syllables, very long. Sometimes it's used to mean giving. Sometimes it's used to mean giving to using long words. The week before that, the word was piquant. It's an adjective that means pleasantly savory, pungent. It can also mean engagingly provocative, also having a lively charm. I'm gonna stop right there so I don't get soporific like the Pentateuch, 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 Pentateuch. 
Well, uh, ni- ni- nicely d- done. Thank you very much. Now, I, I want to... Pentatook, 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 Pentatook. Yeah, that's great. I- Thank you, William. <laughs> There's so very much to unpack here, Paula Poundstone. First of all... Pentatook, 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 Pentatook. I have to say, it sounds as though somebody tuned your ukulele. What do you mean? It sounds as like somebody... That sounded like a chord, a little bit. You thought I would take out an untuned ukulele, Adam? Yes. <laughs> In point of fact, yes. But you're you're playing some kind of chord. Yeah. Um, Pentateuch, Pentateuch, yeah. Pentateuch. And I, I think Pentateuch. you wisely when the when the pattern of I'm the doing song. The church circuit now. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I I pity I pity the church. <laughs> <laughs> Pentateuch, Pentateuch, Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Oh my God, my Sundays are busy. Yeah, they they've got to be. Um, and, and I do like that when you, when it was time to switch to another chord, when you sang towards another chord, you just stopped playing the ukulele. Yeah, I don't. You know, in my songs, I don't like the instruments the whole way through. I understand. I totally understand. Yeah. Now, Paula, I want you to kind of put away those lyrics. Yeah. And sing me the song again. Here, I'll just take the lyrics away from you, so you're not tempted to have them. And I want you to sing me that song again. I think this is the way we should approach this. This week's word is soporific. It means... Maybe it would help if you play the, uh, the, the ukulele. Oh, yeah, sure. This week's word is soporific. It means causing sleep or tending to. Last week's word was sesquipedalian. Pedalian. Sesquipedalian means a foot and a half, or using long words, or long syllables. See, now this is a completely different song. My my point is... Because you took the music away, I'm improvising. Well, that's the point. The point is if you don't write a song that you can remember, it's not going to help you remember the words. You took the music away. Because you can't remember the song. Adam, answer the phone. What? No. (laughs) Answer the phone. God damn it. Hello? Feynman. Oh, I Winnie can't Feynman. believe I got through to you. It's me, Winnie Feynman. Yeah. I just love you so much. Wow, my you other would, fan. You would never be soporific to me. I Great, don't know Winnie. how your wife sleeps. Uh, what? <laughs> I got you this gift card from Forever 21 because that's how I see us. Forever 21. And what does I that want, even mean, Winnie? And I want you to Use it to get whatever you want. I, I just, will not be accepting a gift card I from you, Winnie. I just love you so much. Well, I, I appreciate it. I can't it. believe I got through on the phone to you. It's, it's great, Winnie, but... Uh, we, it's good talking to you. It was good talking to you. Uh, maybe, I love you, Adam Felber. I love you. This makes me uncomfortable, Winnie. It, it, deeply. Please, take the Forever 21 card. I can't because you're not yeah, here. I'm going to kill myself. What? <laughs> Jesus, okay. Send it uh, Send it our way to our P.O. box Thank or whatever you, the hell. Adam, I can't believe I I can't. Well, thank you, Winnie. I, I love you. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you later. Wow, that was weird, Paula. Oh, boy, she really. Paula, Paul, have you it. noticed that when yeah. you get annoyed with me, the phone tends to ring? No, that's just a no. Yeah. Huh. Like, you know, you know. Though it's interesting you mention that because my watch will just stop. What do you mean? I wear two watches, you know, and uh, I can't keep them running. They'll just stop. I'm one of those people with electric something. Okay. And and so I can't keep watches running, and maybe that's a lot. Maybe you're making the phone ring. and Well, maybe you're 
making the phone ring. That's my it, point. It's possible. Um, well, now, listeners, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a wonderful thing in that we had our first ever listener-supplied vocabulary song. Oh, it was fantastic. Which I think is going to be the key to solving this problem of, of your songwriting. Um, what, so, do you mean? what do you mean? What? What do you mean? The problem of my songwriting? The problem that you that your song your songs are not memorable enough for their own writer to memorize them. Okay. Does anybody remember this? Pentatook, 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 Pentatook. Now I hear people sing- singing along, Adam. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> people are singing along to the one word that you already stipulated you remembered before you wrote the song. This week's word is soporific. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tony, All right. Tony well, who may still have lingering fever from last week. Yeah, yeah. So Tony was dying last week, everybody. But she's better now. Um, producer uh, Tony Neal Hall, by the way, while she was uh, recovering, posted a, the list of the vocabulary words on Facebook. So if you're a listener who wants to write that song, uh, you know, write it, record it, send it to us. I can use all the help I can get. Uh, uh, with uh, remembering the vocabulary words. Yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes music unlocks the memory. So It I'm does hoping... if it's replicable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so All I'm right. hoping you guys can help. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Coming up, I'm glad the phone didn't ring in that moment. Coming up, Mark Twain said, I do not fear death. I had been dead for billions and billions of years before I was born and had not suffered the slightest inconvenience from it. How do most Americans approach death and funerals? Can we do better? We'll hear from Caitlin Doty, author of From Here to Eternity, Traveling the World to Find the Good Death. That's when we return to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Wentz sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. 
You know, I think Bonnie got the midnight lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he fuck, but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Aukerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that, the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. We, you know what I'm saying? Here go. Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You the be okay, best never mind. Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. Yeah, thank you, William, for that soporific tune. All right, we are back. Now, Paula, uh, just to, to, to cheer things up around the room a little bit, we're all going to die. And yep. what kind of funeral do you want? <laughs> I always told my kids, you know, we have a big mulch pile just outside the window on the side of the house. I always told my kids, just mulch me. All right, they can't. Well, my kids are planning on cremating me. Oh, thank you. Oh. My kids are planning on cremating me, and I am begging them to wait. To, to... <laughs> Well, uh, but but you you do you you are planning for your death in some way or another, right? No, I hadn't been until yeah uh, until I read a, a terrific book uh, called "Smoke Gets in Your Eyes" by Caitlin Doty. Uh, okay, "Smoke Gets in Your Eyes." Uh, I believe it's uh, "Tales from the Crematorium." Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know that's it's it's a crazy coincidence because we have someone here by that same name. Uh, Perhaps who wrote that same book. Possibly. Uh, she's worked in the funeral industry, written three best-selling books about the art of dying well, and has dreamed of living in a culture with a more open, honest engagement with death. She believes that change will only happen with a better funeral industry, where the family is involved in the process and the dead aren't hidden behind closed doors. Please welcome founder of the Order of the Good Death and author of Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs, Caitlin Doty. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm sorry. Two intro. Two intro. Two intro. Yeah. Wait for your fanfare. Nice. <laughs> Tuba 
fan favorites are a little different, Caitlin. Most of the interviews I do, I get in trouble for waiting for the tuba intro that never comes. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah, this well, there is you your go. lucky day. I'm, I'm finally arrived. I'm sorry to cu- I cut you off in your intro because I wanted to say that Paula probably will be able to be mulched by the time she dies because we just legalized human composting in Washington. Good. In, in every community in Washington? In every community in Washington. So you can so, mulch a human in your front yard wherever you want? You can, no. You because have to here's do it. the thing. Paula wants the kids to put her on way. the mulch pile in the backyard. You know, we haven't done it in every state yet. So it's possible that, for example, some states you can bury a body at home. So it's possible that in some places you'll be able to compost a body at home, too. Well, this is the future you know, I want I, to see. I have, I have some years left in me, I think. And uh, I just... Um, I just got my kitten belt in Taekwondo. Your kitten belt? Yeah. So that, you know, that tells you how powerful I am. No, it doesn't. Uh, I don't think such a thing exists. Meow. Uh, it's, you know, the guy that I train with, I, I'm not sure that it's legitimate, but I did get a kitten belt. Um, anyways, okay. Kaylin, I read your first book, and then I'm halfway through your second book, which was From Here to Eternity, wherein you talk about the experiment uh, the experimentation with uh, mulching. And uh, I, so I, I was talking to an audience the other night and I said to the crowd, I said, I'm, I said, I just finished reading a really terrific book um, called uh, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. And I said, has anybody here heard of it or read it? And there was a lady on the side of the room. Uh, well, there was a guy right in front who went, it's the creepiest book I ever read. <laughs> and then there was a lady over on the side of the room who was enamored of the book as I am, which is, I found it, uh, I found it sort of uplifting in a really surprising way. Thank you uh, so it, much. It didn't occur to me that I would feel uplifted um, by tales from the crematorium. What made you want to uh, do that job? You know, I in college I was a medieval history major, so I was also a bit of a a bit of a nerd of our dark. And if you think about the Middle Ages, it's full of death. Yeah, corpses in the walls, corpses well, honestly, in the ceiling, every, the plagues. dead plagues, every age dancing is full of skeletons. Every pages, but the middle, the late Middle Ages especially, were just the piece de resistance uh-huh. of, of corpse culture and right. open engagement with death. So that was what I was really fascinated by. But then I graduated, and surprise, surprise, no one was offering me a job with my medieval <laughs> history degree. So wow. I had to figure something else out. Because the bottom fell out of that market at some point. I know, I know. I, originally, I was like, <laughs> this is going to be it. It's like yeah, basically it. yeah. finance, but no. Yeah. Um, so I got a job as a crematory operator in Oakland, California. And I think I intended it to be something that 30 years later, I'd be at a dinner party and someone would go, did you know Caitlin worked at a crematory? Isn't that insane? <laughs> you know, I have all these British friends too when I'm older. And I did it and I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the weird history of the funeral industry in the United States. And I fell in love with the families and even the dead bodies and how interesting each one was. And it was a different story every time. And I've been doing it for the last 11 years. Uh, Caitlin, why do we have funerals? I think we have funerals because it's almost like it's a weird chicken and the egg thing, right? Because they've done studies, anthropological studies. I would say death came before the funeral. Death came before the funeral. (laughs) But every culture... Indigenous cultures, ancient cultures, current cultures, every culture around the world has 
always done something with the body. There has never truly been a culture where someone is just what bodies drop dead, they walk away, they just don't care. There always has to be something done with the dead body. And is that something that we psychologically need? Is it because we've just never seen anything different? I don't really know the they answer to that. They start to, to smell if you just leave them oh, around. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like yes. biologically, something needs to be done with you them. You got to do something. Right, exactly. You have to do something. But do you have to wash their body, dress the body, sit with the body, comb their hair, do everything that we do? Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> oh, that wasn't Bonnie. That was, oh my God. Bonnie Burns had nothing to do with that ringtone. That was our muscle. Oh, that's all right. I was, all hoping, right, there be, I was hoping there would be like a, a call-in. Um, Aretha Franklin wore two different outfits at her funeral. Right. And which I, I love. I loved it. And her little wasn't feet, a quick were, change, her feet were crossed. Which I think is the sassiest move ever, oh. especially for an embalmed body. Um, <laughs> she wore fur, too. Yeah, and she wore fur. I mean, I think that there is something, especially in our modern culture, that is my funeral will reflect me in all of these deeply personal ways. And it's almost your final performance. And some people are really into that. And then you have people like my mom who are the put me in a hefty bag out on the curb. That's more the Paula Poundstone thing. Yeah. Although yeah. the mulch mulch has an environmentalist aspect to right, it. Right, because you return to the earth, to the earth. And, and, and everything. Uh, there are creatures that profit from mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you existed, which is more than I can say for me now, except for the pod <laughs> puppy, really. Um, <laughs> how uh, Can you talk about how the U.S. funeral practices have evolved? Long story short, 100, 150 years ago, death happened in the home. You took care of the bodies in the home. You died in the home. It really was a domestic task, was taking care of your corpses. That's even where living room comes from, to set it apart from parlor, which is where you kept the dead bodies. Oh, wow. wow, I didn't know that. The parlor was for bodies. For bodies. I mean, it was for, you know, sitting room, but it was its main reason was the guests could come visit the bodies. How many bodies does your ordinary family have at that point? In the late Victorian, a lot. People were dying left and right because there were diseases. You didn't have good medical. Children would die. Your mother would die. Everybody would be, a lot of people would be dead by the time you got to 20 You really needed a room for it. You really needed a room for it. Wow. We had a living room when I was growing up, but it wasn't for that reason. It was the family room was where the pets were allowed to be in the room. You know, right. I grew up with a living room and a family room, the but there were li- no rules. The living room, there were doors on it so that the cats couldn't go in there and pee and stuff. It has nothing to do with this. And you're no, young no, enough this is a that... complete departure from the interview. <laughs> you're young enough that there weren't dead bodies in those rooms, most no, likely. Well, yeah. I grew up in a different kind of household. You did not. I didn't. No, there were no <laughs> under the floorboards. floorboards. Different yes, story. Yeah. But <laughs> what happened is that in the there early was a lot of mob where I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, you have first of all the Civil War, which you needed to be able to transport the bodies from the South to the North, and that's where embalming came in and chemically preserving the dead body. And after the Civil War, those same men went, "Wait a second. This is a service that we can sell to everyone. It doesn't just have to be transporting bodies long distance." Everybody could benefit and read well, profit, they could profit from, from embalming. It. Whether anybody so, benefited or not, exactly, is, is it was never. Question. Question. Do we need embalming if we're having a funeral within a couple of days? Nope. You Absolutely don't. not. Absolutely not. And it, you know, if you want to do the Aretha Franklin, if you want to be in full makeup, full furs, out in front of thousands of people, maybe embalming is for you because it really does help control the dead body. But if you're just doing a simple viewing with mom, embalming is expensive. It's hundreds of dollars. It's 
putting formaldehyde and other chemicals in your body. And I think it's pretty wildly overused in okay. the funeral industry. Plus, it's gross, right? Just it's the way intense. it's done is gross. It's, an, it's a lot I mean, more intense than people think it is. Yeah. It's sucking it's out like, your, you know, the juice from your stomach and draining all your blood and putting yeah. chemicals into you. It's right. not, I don't want to seem, this is. If, I have to do that before I take my bone med in the morning. <laughs> you don't. You just have to not take it the night before. That's, I, no, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. You have to not have anything in you. You're already embalming yourself with Diet Pepsi. So yeah. Oh, is that is that part of the embalming flowing, process? It yeah. could be flowing nice. through your veins. Uh, oh, that's good to know. No, tell all right. Tell the story because uh, I I loved this. I'd never heard anything like this before. Uh, tell the story about the Chinese family in the. Wasn't it supply closet? Yes. So I, I worked at the crematory I worked at. The first one I did was in Oakland, California, which means a really diverse group of bodies and families that would come through our doors. And once I came in and I wasn't prepared for this, it was a witness cremation for a large Chinese family. And a witness cremation is when you watch the body be loaded in to the cremation machine. And I wore a bright red dress to start off, which means joy and <laughs> prosperity in the Chinese culture. Okay. And I got there and there was this huge altar set up in our supply closet that was an altar to the person who had died. A big, you know, photo with clouds in the background of the patriarch of the family and offerings. Well, my my boss did it, so he just hadn't told me that this was all going to go down. So there was this this huge, but and then there were like Mister Clean bottles just behind there. Yeah, yes, great. Yeah, there were. <laughs> yeah, yes, very rare. Exactly. Okay. And so we go out, and when they are loading the body into the machine. The people, the family members started wailing and weeping and it got louder and louder and they dropped to the ground. And then I saw a video camera come in and it was filming them. And when the video camera would get in front of a certain family member, they would go, ah, like the wailing would ratch oh, up really another 40 percent. And I had never seen anything like this. But if you think about it compared to one of our very staid, stiff upper lip Western funerals, Man, if I had a camera coming around and that allowed me to experience my emotions at that high a level, that's maybe not a bad thing. Well, what do you think? The, what do you think? The, what do you think the purpose of? So they were gonna like on like around the holidays they were gonna get together and is you know okay put in the put in the school play put in when yeah. you know when uh, you know Sung Ming was in the school play oh we love that that was fantastic okay where's mom's Funeral, put that on. Oh, you should see. We lose our shit at that. You're going <laughs> to love this. I mean, was, it was so probably an interesting video. Is this a tradition or just a really fucked up family? No, I think it's a tradition. I think okay. that, I mean, each, and this was sort of what And I, I have s- to respect it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, this is, <laughs> this is hard. This is an interesting to. lesson, right? Okay. Because my second book, From Here to Eternity, is going all around the world looking at death customs. I was literally in a small Indonesian village where people keep the dead bodies, mummified dead bodies, in their home and sometimes sleep in the same room and bed with them for three years. Four years. Wasn't there, uh, can pers- I judge that? Well, that's the no, thing. It's I don't like, think you yeah, can. you know, no. and like, but at the same time, I judge our own rituals and costs and funerals in the United States pretty harshly myself. Uh, uh, okay. I think it's. I no think doubt. when you turn it against your own culture, it's a little more I'm, acceptable. I'm not a fan about how how any of us do uh, death either. I think. Well, don't they sometimes wait, Caitlin? Uh, like, uh, well, obviously they wait, but you know, so you're. It's a little bit kicking you when you're down because you're there with your loved one at the funeral parlor and then they start showing you like the stuff 
the, and equating how much you're willing to spend and do yes, with your respect. That's disgusting. With your respect for the person who's died. Yeah. And I I blame both the funeral industry, which is a capitalist enterprise, and a lot of them are corporate funeral homes. So it's about shareholders. It's not about these aren't mom and pop institutions, all of them. And I also blame the public in some ways. And I know what, because I, we're supposed to say no. When no, no, no. Because when somebody because, shoves a catalog in front of us and says you can have this rich velvet red interior. Because <laughs> it's important to I have people who come into the funeral home and say we had no idea mom was dying. This is so sudden. And she's had cancer for two years. And if you call around, they've proven they've done studies. If you call couple funeral homes in the same town for the exact same service like a simple cremation you can save thousands of dollars it's like mattresses by what exactly yeah it's like mattresses by by what like a a layaway no 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 just by asking them how much they cost they're completely arbitrary so our funeral home charges 895 dollars for a cremation down the street they charge $3,500 $3,500 for wow. a cremation, the exact and same I would do cremation. It for, I don't know, 10, 15. <laughs> you know what you bucks. should do is you should, you should convert to Judaism. I have a little toaster oven. Now, that's not going to be that enough. That takes a long time. Yeah. If you convert to Judaism, you don't it. have to worry about that stuff. Why? The people I come from, we have a tradition where it's supposed to be a crude and cheap pine box. Oh, that's also for. Um, Quakers, is it not? Quakers, uh, the, the, you make they, the no, they have better, box better built boxes. Yeah, yeah, they, oh, but they I actually think, build them well. Uh, yeah, I, I think my friend was a Quaker, and when his dad died, I believe he made the box itself. Mm-hmm. By the way, I have a bookshelf at my house that is in the shape of a coffin, and it was made by a furniture maker who makes all of his. Uh, furniture in the shape of a uh, coffin. So it's. We could uh, just take the shelves off for you then. So, well, yeah, that's one of the possibilities. We don't want to interfere with the mulching, though. We want her to yeah, go right. straight no, into the, the air. Can we throw um, some you know, mulch into the box with I her? I wanted to back you up to something in the story that I had read in your book about the Chinese um, uh, uh, cremation, which was didn't you say in the book that they sometimes have paid. Mourners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that happens in a lot of different communities. It's, really? What is the purpose of that? I think it's sort of almost like a fluffer on a in a porn set. Like the idea is okay. to grease the wheels uh-huh. to to get everybody in the I right I don't think you mood. could have made that more upsetting, but you went ahead and did with the fluffer thing. You know, <laughs> I like to call it I, like I said. I don't even know what a fluffer is okay. in porn. I think we should move on and let you continue to not know what a fluffer no, is. That, that's your vocabulary Caitlin, work Caitlin for next so week. Caitlin is so comfortable with everything. She'll explain it. What's a fluffer in porn? A fluffer is the woman or man who is hired to keep the male performer in a porn movie properly erect between takes between takes wow. yes huh so it's sort of a it's sort of an emotional type of labor wow. that they do which is the same thing as what a hired mourner at a funeral does they, i see a career corner coming up for us <laughs> so yeah so you think that the, the that the paid mourners are there to help keep people's uh, emotions uh, raw. Exactly. For the- and I think there's an element of guilt maybe for some families too, if they're not, because some cultures value as like this Chinese family obviously did, they value that level of emoting, that level of sorrow, that level of performance of grief. Uh-huh. And so if you have other people who are doing it with you, you never feel like you're letting dad down by not right. being oh. Oh, it's like paper in the house. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. In, yeah. in showbiz, you know, paper used, the house. What does that mean? To, uh, it means you um, give, give away tickets. Because mm, uh, you want and, the big crowd. Right. Yeah. And also, both the Beatles, Elvis, uh, and um, the Who 
all had people paid to uh, scream for them and cry for them. Actually, Elvis hired the Who to do that. It was That's humiliating for them as they were starting out. That's not true at I all. started out crying, for, um, screaming for Elvis. Now, how does one go about finding a good funeral home? Because uh, you were saying that if you call around, so you have to do this. Okay, now Bonnie Burns, this wasn't Tyler this time. Bonnie Burns just stepped on a dog toy. That's yeah. just amazing. It's amazing that we're trying to record a podcast in, in an environment that contains Bonnie Burns. I'll tell you something. I, I really don't want a funeral or anything like that, but if I did... I want Bonnie to come just for the noise. <laughs> <laughs> just Captain Crinkle could do the eulogy. Oh just my God. all in sounds. There's one dog toy in this and room, that, and she stepped on it. Yeah. A Even life the dog in didn't squeak the dog toy. But Bonnie did. <laughs> <laughs> the dog started to, and then she was like, oh, they're taping. Yeah, I got to so respect she, that. So Thank did. you, Bonnie, for simulating what you sound like when you're making noise. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's return to the matter at hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, all right, so how do you uh, go about assessing what's a good uh, funeral home? Well, I think the first thing you do is find out what you want, is really talk with your family and say, and, and, have, and you know, it's fun to talk about whimsical ideas, like I want to be shot in a cannon into space, but what do you really want? Do you want a cremation? Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be buried in a big coffin? Do you want to be buried just straight into the earth? What is it that you really, really want? Do you want people to come visit you in your body? And then once you have that idea, then if it's you feel comfortable, you can do this. If not, have a friend do it. But call maybe five different funeral homes in uh -huh. your town and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. you play do. them off of each other like you do with the mattresses? You no, know, you don't have to play them off of each other. Because you totally their, got it with the mattresses. Get their honest, oh, get their yeah. honest feedback. Yeah. If they sound supportive and the price is thousands of dollars less, you found your mm -hmm. funeral home. Yeah. So you say, like, you know, Sam Grimace is willing to uh, uh, embalm me for $200. What can you do for me? <laughs> I mean, that's happened. We've gotten calls like that. And I, you know, sometimes it might it might work. Um, I think that um, it's important to just not think that calling more than one funeral home means that you're you hate your mother and you're trying to lowball her death. It doesn't matter how much you pay. That's not the respect that you had for uh -huh. the person who has died. Yeah. It's better if your mother doesn't hear you making the calls, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably right. That's, you know, that's not necessarily true because some sometimes there's this mutual pact of silence between like a mother and a daughter and yeah. the mother's dying and the daughter doesn't want to upset her and the mother doesn't want to upset the daughter, but the mother just wants to talk about it. Yeah. If you have that conversation and mom was always a penny pincher, she's going to be like, don't let them take advantage of you. So you're saying yeah. planning don't a funeral together could be a fun family activity. 100%. And, it's, and it stirs up emotions and gets the conversation started and it acknowledges that death is going to happen. See, that's what I, that's what I loved about your book. It was like it, it wove death into life in a way, uh, in a way that wasn't creepy in, in a way, in a way that wasn't. And yet I feel like if I bring it up, like I, I said something to my daughter on the phone about it the other night, she was like, mom. And I tried to like, I, I tried to, you know, to channel you a little bit. I wasn't good at it. You're gonna have to talk to my daughter. I will give uh, her my give her my number. Yeah. I'll give her no better. Give me give me her number, and I'll just do a cold call. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's, there's nothing better idea. than that. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, it's the mortician. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your mom. No. Um. <laughs> I, ha I have some news. Um, I think well, death is an incredible tool because we're so cut off from it. We don't talk about it, and once we are able to talk about it, it opens these 
emotions and our relationships to mortality that can just pay so many dividends. So what I say when you have trouble, normally it's the other way where kids want to talk to their parents and the parents don't want to talk about it. But even in this direction where your daughter doesn't want to talk about it, you have to just keep chipping away. Maybe the first time she goes, oh, mom, no. Also, don't be afraid to use emotion. Say, no, it's by really the end important. of the conversation, she was ready to bury me. There you go. Oh, there that's you good. go. That's good. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, it that's took a few minutes to get there. Yeah, exactly. And she's so not gonna, people, she's people not don't want to take that first step. She's not going to keep your corpse around in the, in the bedroom though, for yeah. three years. No, she didn't seem to want me to hang around much uh, longer. Okay. Um, okay, one of the sort of philosophies that I stumbled onto in your book mirrored something um, that I used to try to practice when I was younger. Um, Okay, which is, you mentioned that you knew somebody who was somehow in a study of prolonging life, had this idea that we could live, you know, for, and, and that your response to him was? My response to him is that the meaning in life is that it ends, which is Kafka, not me. But the idea is that we have a deadline, emphasis on dead that is our lives. And would you put together the, the work that goes into a podcast like this, the work that goes into the careers that you have? Would you do all that if I just told you, you got 400 years to live, you could do it or not do it. If you have all of that time, there's no deadline or no meaning that you have to hit. Whereas you know you're probably going to live to 80 or 90. You have to do it now. You have to live now. You have to produce. You have to create. Well, huh. keep in mind I'm losing money on the podcast, so yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it for right. 400 more But that's even more, that's years. Even more she important. She might have to die in order to make this thing <laughs> yeah, break even. Yeah, honestly. That's the only way to pay it Death off, Death really. really works for you know yeah. creative products. It sure they sell does. big. I feel that with everything that I do, actually, where uh, even like if I'm working out, you know, my trainer will say like, okay, you know, you do this for 60 seconds. I really need him to tell me how many more seconds because then I can – you know, then I can measure my effort because uh, I can't go balls out for 60 seconds. That's just not going to happen. And what ends up happening is I feel defeated before I get to the end if I don't, you know, if, I, if I'm not able to give it that last oomph. So maybe we should all just pick a day. We should schedule a death. A death yeah. day, yeah. I think something I say is that the Grim Reaper has his hand up all our butts. Okay. sort of a little puppet. Gosh, and, and I'm seeing Mitch McConnell. Whether, <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry I did that to you. Yeah, it's not comfortable at all. And you can, you can accept that and deal with the specter of death and make it your friend and make it your motivator, or you can subconsciously repress it. And it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that it's working on you in insidious ways. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that theory. I like that, too. Um. There was also, uh, okay, you, you talked in the book about the burial with no box, which wasn't the same as the mulching that we're talking about. What was the natural chemical that you needed to, to eat the bones? Okay. All right. This is, I could monologue about this for a long time, but I'm going to give you the quick answer. Thank you. So natural burial is just what... We used to call it burial before we started putting bodies chemically preserved in the heavy box. So it's just put them in the ground. In, just put them straight in the ground, let nature take its course. The way a lot of people bury pets. The way a lot of people bury pets and the way Jews and Muslims in our country still do it, the way people around the world do it, but we just don't do it in America. Although it's legal everywhere in America, to be clear. So Is what in like in your yard? In some states. Yeah, California, uh -huh. it's really hard. When Michael Jackson died, they tried to bury him at Neverland Ranch, and Arnold Schwarzenegger got involved, but the government was still like, no, you can't Who do it. Who wanted to be built? Oh, Michael, Michael Jackson? Jackson. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. So they still wouldn't let him do it. Uh -huh. So California is very hard to be buried on your own property. But if you're in Texas or you're in Maine, it's a lot easier. 
and you can have that kind of natural burial there. But as to the mulching, it's called recomposition is the name of it. And it's basically human composting. And you put a dead body into wood chips and alfalfa and a little bit of moisture. And that's chemically all you need. What was it that the alfalfa had? Was it I think it's I think it's the right combination of nitrogen and carbons and oxygens and the body heats up so hot and it right, comes like that, it, that it yeah. that it literally what 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 shocked me so much at the beginning is that you it's not like the end product is dirt with some bones in it you literally Tra- your atoms become other atoms you you transmorgify into soil you become a completely different bit of bit of human bit of bit of organic material and you really are just nutrient rich soil at the end of the process just like um when i mulch uh you know food scraps mm-hmm. uh, exactly from my kitchen i'm always i am fascinated that it never overflows yeah because nature's know, like i put like tons of, of stuff in there and it just sinks it, down yeah yeah. And it just is this really, really rich. Uh, and Plus, really, your neighbor's construction workers are tramping it. Down. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. And, and it really and, depends and on whether you, if you do this and you're a natural kind of person, and you do this in your backyard, you're like, yes, perfect, this is for me. And if not, this is horrifying. This is soylent green. How could you do this to people? Yeah. And it's just different strokes for different folks. That's yeah. why we have to have different death opportunities and funeral opportunities for different people. I in call different them cultures. funeral tunities. Yeah, funeral tunities. Funeral tunities. So you left <laughs> the place that you worked and you uh, and then you went to uh, mortician went school. Went to mortician school. Yeah, mortuary uh, school. Uh, and then you you got your own thing going on? Yeah, I worked I worked in the funeral industry for a little while after that and then and I opened my own funeral home in Los Angeles called, now it's Clar- Clarity Funerals. Clarity. Can you freelance this stuff without a funeral home? No. Um, so the, there are some some parts of the duties that you can do. You can't can be do. a traveling mortician. I can't be a traveling mortician. I wish I could. It sounds actually. like that would be the most fun I wish fun I could just be it. like a lawyer, like put my shingle up and yeah. work wherever. But you have to be connected to a funeral home to have. What music do, do you have playing directing. in your funeral home when people walk in? Not at the actual funerals, but like somebody's just coming in from off the street. What playlist do you have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, probably sort of light piano or light electronic, like boop, 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 boop. But okay. families will come in with just, we have like blasting ranchera music. Sure, we sure. Have, once you know, it, they once bring it's on, in it's their, on. Yeah, exactly. Just, People just bring in their own Spotify playlist. But you just try not to offend go. with your music choices that are coming yeah. on in. Yeah, you okay. know, and a lot of people, they don't really need musical accompaniment to their funeral arrangements. I think they're kind of comfortable just. Yeah. I hear that. Letting the room settle. All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for burying myths about how to approach dying. Paula, what advice can you give our listeners about death and funerals the Poundstone way? House band William Nakamura, could you give me a little uh, background music for uh, uh, death? It's a good idea to call around to funeral homes ahead of time. Don't let them upsell you. $10,000? Jesus! What if we don't have the quiche in the bouncy house? <laughs> Americans have a tendency to distance themselves from the idea of death. I'm going to launch a campaign to change that. So if someone says pass the salt, I'm going to say sure if I live that long. <laughs> I might start a Hollywood funeral home where deceased actors and actresses get propped up on movable posts so they can star in productions that they got rejected for when they were alive. <laughs> The other actors just fill in with the lines. Dead Shia LaBeouf, starring in Les Miserables. You're Jean Valjean, aren't you? 
24601, right? <laughs> Caitlin Doty's newest book is Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Big Questions from Tiny Mortals About Death. Caitlin, thanks so much. That was just fantastic. That was fantastic. Thank you, Caitlin. Don't die on us yet. Okay, now, has a listener solved Paula's nipple problem? Oh, I hope so. I hope so, too. We'll find out when we open our listener mailbag. That's coming up right after this. The Cat of the Week is Renoa from Peoria, Arizona. According to climate scientists, we have 10 years and one week until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. Cha-cha! Hey, we're back. Hey, uh, Paula, yeah. is your Advantage rubber band holding your world together? You know, I have the rubber bands around my wrists. I have them, too. I think they're holding my bones together because I haven't been taking that bone med the way I'm supposed to. Right. Although but that I bone don't... med isn't supposed to hold your bones together so much as strengthen them. Remember, oh. we, had that, oh. we had that bone doctor on just to explain that to you a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I forgot. Um... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could say they're holding my world together, but I, but they they're holding my cuffs around my wrist tightly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what it would look like for something to hold my world. Are you it's making a, a balloon animal? I am making a balloon animal, Adam. <laughs> I, I I got the beginning of it already. I've made Roger Federer. It's a balloon sculpture of his backwards shot, and it was really hard to do the racket because of the weave. Uh, I'm going to bring it over to him after the show. Well, we're, you can't bring it over. There's so much wrong Roger with Roger Federer's store. Okay, that's not his store, and you don't really make balloon animals. So, I do, too. Well, I that, do too. that's a balloon at the moment. Uh, well, yeah, but I'm, it's, it's part of the Roger Federer. By the way, a backward stroke is called a backhand. No, it's not. It's backward shot. The famous... Adam, answer the phone. What? <laughs> no, please, No. <laughs> To the phone. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifit. You know what I'm doing right now? What, Mike? Sniffing magic markers. You want one? <laughs> no, Mike. No, I man, don't. Man, you know so much about tennis, man. What the fuck is she talking about, Roger Federer? She might be talking backwards about a famous backward shot, shot that he she, did at yeah, one point. That's what she thinks she's talking I, about. She doesn't know how to do balloon animals. I can't even. I can't even see the weave of the tennis racket. I can see him, uh, but he's not backwards. What are you talking about? You can't see. <laughs> you can't see any of this because you're not here. Yeah, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifant, on the phone with you, Adam. I, I love you, man. Uh, you um, know, uh, if you want a magic marker, I can get you one. I don't want them. I, I have plenty one. of magic markers, and I don't sniff them. I. What do you mean? That's bad for you, Mike. Let me ask you something. Don't you think Elton John's right about Saturday night being right for fighting? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, philosophical question, Mike. Yeah. Um, I would say yeah. for you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go I ahead. Think, I think he's right. Saturday night's the best night for fighting, man. It's the he best didn't night. say, Elton John didn't say best night for fighting. He says right. He, say, actually says, he says it's all right for yeah, fighting. It's right, all right for fighting. It's, it, it, it leaves open that there might be a better night. Are you a fighter, uh, Mike? Yeah, uh, sometimes I get a little scrape here and there. Uh, you know what? She doesn't know how to make balloon sculptures. That, that Roger Federer is not backwards. 
I don't even know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> she hasn't even begun twisting the balloon animal yet, and yeah, you're not here. She doesn't even. She can't do the weave of the tennis racket. I just need yeah. you to kind of back off, Paula, a little bit, Mike. Ah, if you want to. Backing off, Mike. Goddamn bitch. Damn it, Mike. Yeah. Hey, listen, man. I'll see you tomorrow when we watch the game together. We won't, and you won't. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow for the game. Bye, Mike. Bye, bye Adam. Good, good talking to you, man. No, good it wasn't. You. It was not in any way good, Mike. All right. Um, so you're you're making Roger Federer I'm there. I'm making Roger Federer doing his famous backwards shot. What backwards shot are we talking about? I'm gonna. You never saw the backwards shot? I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of good tennis shots. You mean it would nah. run through his legs or something? Yes. Oh. Yes. It's probably all you have to do. All you have to do is Google the shot. Okay. And it'll it'll come up. It I'm was, not going to Google that. But okay. You're not going to Google that? No. What but are you, I, you I, too I believe, busy? What, what's I believe, the matter with you? I believe he did that. Yeah, he did. He did that. Yeah. Yeah. Gabriella Sabatini was the, the one of the first to be famous for that shot. In fact, it was called a Sabatini. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love when your quest for knowledge runs up against your disdain for me having any. Yeah. Um, no, it's Gabrielle Sabatini, Sabatini. Yeah, that's what they call it. Absolutely. Sabatini. True. Everybody you just calls hate, it the Sabatini. You, you just I remember hate. Roger Federer. You know, that's why, probably part of the reason he opened his uh, appliance store. All right, first of all, he didn't open an yeah. appliance store. Second no, of all, clearly you don't like the idea of women no. accomplishing anything before men. Oh, was it? Uh, uh, Gabri- uh, she, yeah, she had an uh, appliance store. <laughs> she didn't. Gabrielle Sabatini? <laughs> Neither of them yeah. did. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, she used to sell washing machines. They were called sabotwashing machines. <laughs> that sounds way more obscene than it's supposed to. <laughs> Wow. Please never say sabotaging again. <laughs> sabotaging machine. Oh. I don't know why I feel like I need to sabotage after yeah, hearing no, that. Yeah, you're going to have to shower after that. Yeah. Adam, I have a cute little cat story for you. You do? Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, there's been a well, bad let's break smell from our schedule and hear this. in my kitchen for the last few days, and okay. I couldn't find the source. Today, however, I looked way back in the cabinet that holds the dish towels, and there is evidence that a cat has been nesting back there, and a bunch of the out-of-circulation holiday towels were fused together by some cat discharge. Yeah. That's not a cute story. It's a cute, little, <laughs> cute little cat it's, it's, story. It seems like every time you tell yeah. me these cute little cat stories, yeah. they're always something like that. It's good to start the year off with a cute little cat story. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So what, are we, what are we doing? Wow. On, I, we, we just doing? used the cat effluvia story as some sort of palate cleanser after the Sabbath washing machine. Yeah. I, ju- I just yeah. need I need some sherbet or something. All right. Um, now, Paula. Yes. We always welcome letters from our listeners. We welcome letters from our listeners. We do, and it's time to share some now. Oh, good. Let's go through the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone mailbag. Mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Fry wrote us because I think it's pronounced Frey. Brian Fruits wrote us because he thinks he has a solution for my nipple problem. Okay, oh, your nipple problem. Let's review your nipple problems. Let's review my nipple problems. I don't think we have time for that, do you? Well, we could just Uh, say that over the past calendar year, in a life in which previously your nipples had gloriously, or at least ordinarily, escaped injury. Yes, never any problems at all. Suddenly you had, I believe, three. Uh, Yeah. Repeated 
incidents wherein one of your cats or another of your cats more or less pierced your nipple with their claws. Precisely. Okay. Some hind claws, right? one through my right, one through my left on a separate occasion. And then, of course, somewhere along the way, uh, I was using the uh, 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 laptop oh, right. and uh, shot uh, one of my nipples right in the laptop. So I've been I, in a lot I of pain this I forgot about the laptop year. one. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a difficult year. Uh, oh. So Brian recommends nip guards. Uh, producer Tony Anita Hull tells us that nip guards are a quirky product. Nah. That 99.9% of the human population will never need. Patented and launched in 1999, nip guards revolutionized the market for... What was there a market? Revolutionized the market for protection against painful nipple chafing and abrasion. I have had nipple chafing before, by the way. Yes. When I forgot my sports bra at my Taekwondo class, and I have, I don't even know what the uniform is called, but it's that big sort of canvassy white, you know, that you tie. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. My, it's my, a... my, um, my kitten belt yeah, around. Yeah, and, your kitten uh, belt, sure. Um, yeah, and boy, if you don't have your sports bra on, you can. Chafe that. Well, so yeah, and you know what? I, I would say there's a real use for this product because uh, from what I hear from my friends who are marathon runners, you can, you can even men can end up with bleeding nipples at the end of a marathon. What? Are, I don't think they're doing it right. Doing you, what right? Marathoning? Yeah, you just run. Yeah, but there's chafing when you run, especially as, as your garment becomes wet and dries again and becomes wet and fills up with sweat. Eventually, you have a, a state of... of Chafing on your nipples that causes bleeding. I have never heard of that. Okay, then it doesn't exist. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It Just, does. It's upsetting. It's, it's one more reason not to run a marathon. Well, let's you, you and I make a pact here today that we'll immediately start training to never run a marathon. 99.9% of human population will never need it. And right here, you have identified, uh, I think, a. Uh, uh, a fairly I, large I, I portion of the population. I think Tony Anita Hull might have gotten that a little bit wrong. Yeah, I yeah. think she was. I think there might be like a one to two percent. Looking closely at people's nipples, she was just, she was just spitballing that number. Yeah, and the question we need to ask our listener, Brian Freyfry, is um, Brian Fruits. Fruits is will this will guard against chafing and abrasion? But what about cat claws? Yeah, well, that, we're going to put that to the test. Maybe I think, we need uh, to test that product yeah, claim on this show. That. Yeah, I think nip guards can hold my world together. Yeah, they they, uh, they might. Yeah, that's what I think. Here's another one from the mailbag. Wait a minute. What? Adam Felbert. Uh-oh. It is our French Trump. <laughs> I cannot talk right now because I am busy. One, two, three. What are you counting, four, French Trump? Four, five. Trump? All day long, the phone calls, Mr. President. I had to flush my toilet ten times today. Ring, oh, yeah. ring. Yes, Trump speaking. Mr. President, <laughs> I had to flush my toilet 13 times. Wait, let me get the paper. Not that kind of paper. I paper to write the number down on. 13 <laughs> toilet flushes. Well, I have you on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do me a favor, though? On the line here? This is a live appearance, uh, Mr. French I know. I was talking about when I'm talking to people. Because every day, oh, I see. every day, citizens, they call me, they say, French <laughs> Trump. I had to flush my toilet 10 to 15 times no, today. Literally nobody says that, Mr. French Trump. 
Oh, I, 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 they do. They do. They call. They say I have to call. It's a problem. And I live in California, where we have a lot of low volume toilets, and and like we flush. I hate California. <laughs> okay, well. I declare war on California. You can't declare war in your own country. I do. I do. Adam, do you want a picture of Christian people touching moi in the Oval Office? I do not want such a picture. Thank I you. I can get that for you. <laughs> I know. I've seen the picture. Of- can you do me a favor, though? One, two, three, four, <laughs> five. Adam, I have to go. All right, French Trump, everybody. Let's move on back to the mailbag. Mailbag. And uh, nobody, Ginny Smolier, asks the question, why do digital scales give you the weather after showing you your weight? What digital scale is that? Mine does. Nuh-uh. Yes, it does. That's ridiculous. It I've does. never heard of that. I have a digital scale, and it doesn't say a word about the weather. Oh, I think I think what, what Ginny Smolier is talking about is your smart scales. Oh, you can get them over at uh, uh, Federer's. It's Roger Fed- Federer. It's not Roger. It's just Federer's. It's an appliance store in our corner. It's not has it's nothing Roger to do. It's Roger Federer. Is this Roger Federer? By, yeah, by the way, a, you can see the tennis racket with the weave. <laughs> you, you, and he's, you really can't. And he's uh, it's his backwards shot, so he's backwards. Um, do you see that he's backwards? He looks like a he looks like a wiener on a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like tennis. No, I, I'm a big fan of I'm tennis. bringging it over there Wait, to you know him what? after you, the you show. You actually did manage to put two balloons together here. And, I, and and there's a way in which you could say that this is a vaguely humanoid shape. Ah, it's Roger Federer doing his backwards <laughs> shot. And you can see the tennis racket there with the weave. I will say this, Poundstone. You have improved. Thank you very much. In, with your balloon twisting uh, skills. Thank you very uh, much. It's skills. very kind of you. Yeah. I, 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 can, I can see why Winnie Feynman... Is such a fan of yours. I don't understand oh, why I have to. Yeah. She loves you. It feels right, like so Winnie, Ginny, Winnie and Mike call whenever I piss you off. That's Gin, what it feels no, like not to me. true at all. Ginny Smolier, like like Smolier, Smolier. Uh, I've never heard of such a digital scale. I have one. Uh, Mine is made by a company that has advertised with us, Withings, that make my watch, my oh, sister's I didn't company, know that. and they make, they make a connected Wi-Fi scale that tracks your weight and uh, takes your pulse. That's absurd. And it also shows you the weather outside in the morning. Does it tell you how much money you have? Uh, No. You know what mine does? Your scale? Yeah. It weighs you? It says, get off! (laughs) (laughs) Get off now! Um, Yeah, no, I never heard of such a thing. Good question, though, Jimmy. It is a good question. Never heard of it. Apparently, you have more modern appliances than I have. Right, and as as for the answer to that question, I think they're just showing off. I don't think anybody needs a scale to tell them what it's like outside. We We all have phones and windows. Both yeah, you look devices. out the window. That's yeah. what I say. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what would be awful? If the weather report told you your weight. <laughs> that would be truly awful. <laughs> Good evening, and let's take a look at our five-day forecast. Well, Poundstone's put on a few. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the good news is that tornado's not going to be able to lift her. <laughs> All right. If you have questions that you want Paula and Adam to answer, send it to nobody listen to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And uh, speaking of hotel soap, uh, Paula, you had an experience with shampoo and conditioner recently in a hotel. I did. You know, um, so I'm in the shower at a hotel the other day, 
And I and I pilfering think a bar this to give is, a prize to this, a listener. No, I give them fresh hotel soap. No, this is probably a good thing in a way, which is that um, because the small shampoo and conditioners are a tremendous waste of plastic, and so I applaud the hotels that now have large the, containers on a rack, and they're fastened in. You can't take the shampoo and the conditioner out because you know some fucking guy's gonna pee in it. So they have it. What? <laughs> yeah. You know that's why they have. So you can't take it out. You have to use it. No, (laughs) no, Paula Poundstone. Yeah, you have to. I gotta say, there's a lot of things that guys do that are just awful, and I'm constantly ashamed of members of my own gender. Yeah, as well. But I don't think anybody's peeing. I don't think. No, that's exactly why they have to do that. No, they they do that so that people don't steal it. No, somebody's gonna do something god awful to it, and so so you can't. Dudes just don't go around pissing and stuff. But so the other oh they do. So the other day, (laughs) so the other day I'm I'm in the shower and the the the. You can't see whether it's shampoo or conditioner or um, body wash. shower. Body wash, yeah. Yeah. And the the name of the company that makes it, which I've forgotten now, was very large yeah. at the top. So that I could see. But I couldn't see what it was. And I, it's not like I can take it out and look at it. And so- I've had this exact same problem. And I think it's because we both wear glasses. So I've now, what I'm doing now, and this is for real. This is life advice yeah, for once on your, this show. Taking your glasses into the shower? I walk into the shower with my glasses, memorize where those things are, then get, get out of the shower. Wow, you must have a good memory. <laughs> it's three bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my memory sucks. If yeah. I went like shampoo, conditioner, body wash, the minute I got back in the shower, I'd be like fucking body wash, <laughs> conditioner, shampoo. God no, damn but it. it's actually but a But I thing. ended up and- putting, I'm sure, because, you know, then I decided, okay, well, I'll know from what it does to my hair. And so I'm wow, sure. I don't see how that could be the yeah, case. <laughs> I'm sure I put like body wash in my hair because no, because you can tell, you know, because if it was if it was shampoo, yeah. it would soap up in a particular way, right? And if it was conditioner, you know, it would uh, it would Wouldn't take the tangles yeah. out, yeah. And uh, neither thing happened, which leads me to believe that it was that body wash. You washed wash. your hair with body wash. <laughs> yeah, which is very frustrating. Yeah. Well, if so you're listening I out there, these hotels for using less plastic by the large thing, but could someone not? Take a fucking spray paint thing and put shampoo, conditioner. Uh, Just know. use a font that's reasonably sized instead right, of those hotels, willowy, scripty stuff they do. The hotels aren't in charge of the font size. That's coming from the manufacturer. Yeah, those manufacturers should listen up. Honestly, I don't know why they won't. All right. Yeah, and I, and I wish guys would stop peeing and everything. Nobody's. <laughs> they do. Look, we I'm do a lot of awful things, man. You but... do. No, we don't. Nobody's peeing in those. All right, if you're a listener who's a man who occasionally pees in things like hotels, shampoo, please write in and send it to somebody else. <laughs> Not us. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, Paula, since you've been on the road experiencing hotel shampoo, uh, that probably tells me that you're in the midst of yet another tour. You're going to be in places. I hate promoting myself. It's the part of my job that I really, really hate. Which is why we got together with the staff and decided to cut that part out of the show. I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas on February 29th at the Windspear Opera House, and I'm going to be in New York on April 30th at Town Hall. All right, and it's, uh, oh, wow, April 30th. We're already promoting April. Yeah. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. You got to get ready for April. You got to be it's ready for April. big month in the United it'll States. It'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Yep. Okay. April 30th, for those of you, for the people who are sitting around the dinner table going, what the fuck are we going to do on April 30th? I got just a thing for it's you. Always, it was always terrible when I was younger, uh, when I was dating and not married, w- wondering like, Am I going to have a date for April 30th? Yeah, yeah. You know, a, lot of, just, a lot of pressure on a young yeah, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, kind of too much pressure. I, yeah. I think I think they should like de-escalate April 30th. Yeah. You know what a lot of guys do on April 30th? What's that? Pee in the shampoo in the hotel. They just they don't. get so nervous. It's not a thing. It is. No. Yeah, we got a thing. Guy, guys like to, like the, the luxury of being able to relieve themselves in various places where yeah, there are bathrooms. They, 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 that's eggs. definitely a thing, like on the sides of trees and oh, stuff. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, but... But hotel soap? That that sounds a little no shampoo. I mean, yeah, shampoo. shampoo. That sounds yeah. a little um, juvenile. Mean, yeah. Mean. Oh yeah. Okay. Point taken. Yeah. All right, uh, Paula, uh, you will have at the shows that you're doing, the one on April 30th and the one on February 29th in Dallas, you're gonna have a uh, Poundstone pussy pillows available. That is correct, Adam. I have uh, 34 pounds of catnip. Um, that, you sold about a pound's worth of catnip? Maybe, not even. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, Wendell, my assistant, uh, uh, I, I made the design. I take pride in that. It's a rectangle. It's a pillow shape. Uh, but uh, we have uh, a homemade uh, catnip toys that Adam has uh, coined uh, Poundstone Pussy Pillows. There. I really was kind of kidding. Yeah. Well, it's taken off, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> it's taken the nation by storm. Each one has a grommet in it, but I must say, so that you could tie a string through it and tug it, I do not provide the string. I feel like that's just kind of cheap. <laughs> People have to do something for themselves. They're buying your pussy pillows. A little bit of effort, folks. Right. Uh, so anyways, there's a little cat joke on one side, and then the other side, I'm happy to uh, autograph it to your cat. Well, that's, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. and um, Cats love them. Cats love them. They're full of the nip, Yeah, if yep. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can find a complete list of Paula's performances where you can buy pussy pillows um, at uh, pa- paulapoundstone.com. <laughs> you can't buy Poundstone's pussy pillows at no, paulapoundstone.com. You, you we no. have our <laughs> tech people working night and day. <laughs> Try to prepare the website so that people could buy. Because the- once we do, we're oh going to be the next God. Amazon. Yeah. W- w- Wendell's going to be up night and day. <laughs> Just sewing those pants. Uh, already I can hear, you know, from the sewing machine. Yeah. He's bought like four sewing machines. He has them in It's funny. Does your sewing machines sound like Flight of the Bumblebee? William, can I have a little Flight of the Bumblebee? No. <laughs> Good to know. Good I, admire, to know. I admire your honesty, William. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll be back right after this. On this day in unremarkable history, Sylvia Plath's mother said, Smile. <laughs> Well, welcome back, all you nobodies. Uh, Paula, uh, do you have any message this week? I do, but before I tell you that, Adam, I've taken my Advantage rubber band and I've put it over my head and lowered it down around my breasts so that it's covering... My nipples. No, it's not all that comfortable because they're not large right, rubber bands. Lo- it looks deeply uncomfortable. And, I, and is- I would say covering your nipples is not the word, the term I would use here. 
Well, it's just covered it's, the uh, very tip of my nipples. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, uh, it was really... Well, it's really more... It's running a... Th- Athwart your nipples. It's, it's, it's really more made a tributary across the center of my nipples. Yeah. Um, I it's was covering to, your nipples the way a, a dividing line on a road covers a highway. I was trying to make my own uh, nipple protection, but maybe it's not the right way. No. Oh. Paula, just take that off. Oh, Paula, take it Jesus. off. Jesus. There's no cats in here anyway. Oh, yeah, but the pot puppy. Yeah. Uh, Adam. You, yes. I know I don't have to tell you this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We are loving doing this show. It's so fun. People say to me all the time, could you move? And I'm so flattered because I know what they really mean is, I love your podcast. <laughs> so thank you for that, nobodies. Uh-huh. The problem that we face, unfortunately, is that in order to continue making Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, we have to increase our listenership. And the best way to do that, of course, is by word of mouth. One listener telling another that they are a fan of the show. The difficulty with that is that many listeners find that an awkward conversation. So I have come up with a simple sample dialogue in order to pass that kidney stone. Try this. Okay. Listener, I'm so glad we have a chance to get together. I haven't seen you in a long time. Listener's friend, I've been awfully lonely and depressed lately. Listener. Gee, I'm sorry to hear that. The holidays can amplify that. All the songs seem to indicate that someone's coming home or that you're going to be surrounded by... What are you doing? Listener's friend, I'm dislocating my hip, wrapping my knee around my neck on the left, and putting my big toe in my ear. Listener, well, that's disgusting. Listener's friend, my dream is to be a contortionist in the Cirque du Soleil show. Listener, well... I sincerely hope that works out for you. What are you doing now? Listener's friend, I'm stretching out my lower jaw and sucking on my right eyeball. Do we have to do this? Listener, Jesus, do you do that in front of other people? Listener's friend, sometimes. Listener, I think I figured out why you're alone. You have to stop this. I mean, you want to be in a Cirque du Soleil show, fine, but socially, contortions are not helpful. The truth is, even during the contortionist part of a Cirque du Soleil show, most people look away and hope it ends soon. Are you peeking at me through your nose? (laughs) Listener's friend. Yes. Listener, stop it. This isn't helping your depression, and it's off-putting. Listener's friend, you always seem so well put together, so well balanced. How do you do it? Listener, well, I'm not really. I have my wacky moments the same as everybody else, but I will say, well, I've never told you this before because it just felt awkward. See, Adam? But uh, no, I, I, I dozed off. <laughs> but I listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, and I enjoy such healing laughter from it. I really do think it's a mental health toner. You don't have to listen alone either. Listen with a friend or two. Listener's friend, I love that idea. I'm going to listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. Listener, if you think I didn't just see your toes when you opened your mouth, you're wrong. <laughs> This has nothing to do with listeners anymore. <laughs> this not has everything. A thing. To, no, this want, is just your way to fuck with me. That's not true. Yeah, Adam. it is. We want listeners to tell one another. We These want, are physically impossible things in this dialogue. No, there's a contortionist. She's there a, isn't. She's a contortionist. There's never been a contortionist that sucks their own eyeballs. 
Yes, there has. No, there hasn't. She was here. No, she wasn't. She was. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So I think, you know, one listener at a time is how we go about doing it. That's definitely the pace we're going to That's how we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to say that. All right, nobodies. Remember, our email address, again, is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft Tri-Polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back at paulapoundstone.com. But don't go looking there for cat toys because they're not there yet. No. Okay, now, before we move on, before we say goodnight to everybody, has your world been held together by Advantage rubber bands? I can't say. Okay. I want to remind you, this is a women-owned company. It doesn't matter. I feel- I want you to remember that women own this company. I feel about rubber bands the way I feel about my presidents. Okay. It doesn't matter if they're women or men. They just need to be good. And in the case of the women that are running, they're good. These are good rubber bands. These are good rubber bands. Are they holding your world together? Uh, well, you know, I have to say, I'm not sure that here in uh, our studio is the right opportunity for the rubber bands, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, they've held my wrists together, and I think they've held my bones together. Okay, well, then a, a, a partial a partial yes for you. I would say I think these are about the highest quality rubber bands I've ever had wrapped around parts of my body during a podcast. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. But right, is that the right test? Is it the right test? Yeah. I would say probably no, because yeah. my world is bigger than this podcast, and thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> my world isn't bigger than this podcast. Oh, you poor, hey, listen, poor thing. I gotta go because I'm bringing this balloon animal over to Roger Federer. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> Ask him to autograph it. Anyway, that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Zemnick, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Anthony Alfaro. Special thanks to tonight's house band, William Nakamura! And thanks to our guest, Caitlin Doty. Security muscle is provided by Tyler the Ringtone Burke. <laughs> Transcription services for this show provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? <laughs> Take that off your nipples. <laughs> Just take it off. I'm not sure I can. <laughs> Star Games Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.